Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This is Thanksgiving. You can say happy Thanksgiving, Gary. Come on. That's good. I don't want to feel left out now. Seriously. All right. Well, this morning, I have a question. And, I mean, it's a real simple one. How many of you, how many of you have viewed, probably online, um, a top ten list in the past? Probably quite a few of us, right? We, like, top ten lists are very popular uh, for a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons that people uh, have an interest in them is that they have a need for information and categorization, and we also have a need for what understanding what other people's opinions are, right? So um, it just goes to show you that at every level that we tend to be communal, right? So we always have this desire to know what other people are thinking. And so um, top 10 lists, uh, excuse the meme, sorry, but top 10 lists are quite per pervasive, and there's all kinds of different ones. And, uh, I mean, for example, you, I looked up a couple of them. I won't, I won't tell you some of the items in here, uh, but one of them is, you know, the top 10 things you don't want to hear at a tattoo parlor. You can just use your imagination what that might be. Uh, another one would be uh, the top 10 signs uh, that you've hired the wrong kid to rake your leaves. And, anyway, uh, again... You can use your imagination on that one. And then the one I kind of like the best is the top 10 reasons why the Toronto Maple Leafs will never again win the Stanley Cup, which, I mean, isn't it interesting that last night the Toronto Blue Jays fell in defeat like the leaves falling from the trees? And, I mean, who loses a game when you're up 10 to 5 or 10 to 4? I mean whatever it was. <laughs> I, I texted Mark at some point last night. I said, it looks like Toronto doesn't even want to win the game. And, and this was before they, uh, they were, they were they're up 10, they were up nine to four or something like this, or nine to five. And, um, and then he, anyway, later after the game, he says, apparently not. You know, they don't want to win. But um, I could make an extension there to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I, I guess I already have. So today, I want to talk about and give you my top 10 list of practices for staying good in God. So basically, I was thinking about this over the past few weeks, and uh, the last time that Passionate spoke, uh, he talked to us about encouraging ourselves in the Lord, and encouraging ourselves in God, and you can go back and listen to that message. It was excellent. And when he was speaking this, and because of time, I know that he didn't have a chance to really go into the practical details of just how we do that. And so I talked to Passion afterwards. I think I have part two of that message. And so this morning, in the fashion of a top ten list, I am going to give you what I think through, and basically this past August 12th, marked my 40th year of consciously following Jesus. So 40 years, and so through the 40 years that I have followed Jesus, I would have to say that what I'm going to share with you this morning are my top, is my top 10 list. And so, uh, as you would know, 
um, over the past year or so, we've been talking about laying our foundations in Christ and actively following Him intentionally. Because, and just a very short review, just to remember that either we are being intentional in following Jesus or the opposite, which is to be unintentional. And so if we're, if we're being unintentional, we're being formed by our practices. And so if we have unintentional practices, that is if we're just kind of floating through life, we're going to be formed in one way or another, but it may not be being formed in the way that Jesus would have for us in order that we might flourish. And so we want to be a people who flourish. Now, one of the dangers of presenting a list like I'm going to present to you this morning, and this is one of my concerns, depending on your age or your tradition, you could either go to one side, that is, um, either you're going to default by, when I give you a top 10 list, you're going you're you're to think and connect this with legalisms or rule following, that is, that we can save ourselves by how we live and by doing certain things. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know that there would be people in this room that would default to that. That would be the thing that you have to safeguard against. You're safeguarding against trying to do things to please God. Now, on the other side of that extreme, the other polarity there is the, the other end of the spectrum is relativism. So, one of in in our culture today, it's it's typically not when we think about God and serving God. If we become Christians and we're seeking to follow Jesus, our our default is typically not to find you know to think that there's a list of rules and things we have to do to get good before God. Our our tendency is is to think that it doesn't matter how we live at all. That we can just do whatever or not do whatever, and Jesus loves me, this I know. But my hope is that everything I'm going to share with you this morning is framed in the grace of God. And I know it's a a broken record, but we have the ability to enact in our lives and put in place in our lives relationship-building habits that will bring you life and flourishing. Because I believe that God wants us to flourish in our lives. So, my top 10 lists, we're going to start. Ready? Here we go. No rocket science here, folks. If you're looking for the silver bullet, there's no silver bullet. All right? Number one, and you've heard me say this before, but the number one, and this is no particular order, I'm just throwing them in here, but the first one I want to talk about this morning is just slowing down to receive. You've heard me speak about this before. You've heard Joe speak about this before, that Dallas Willard, when asked by another leader, John Ortberg, he says, you know, what, must, what, what practices do I have to put into my life? And Dallas Willard's immediate response was, you have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. We live in a life, we're living a life in a culture that goes 150 miles an hour. It begs for us to get sucked into a rat race, and, and the race is very fast. And there's a lot of spinning plates in our world, in our culture today. And 
the one thing, the first thing that I would say is essential is we have to build a practice in our life regularly to stop and to slow down. And it's, it's building a daily practice in our relationship with Jesus to basically just be in his presence. And now, I know that's going to be different for everybody. It's stage of life, right? I mean, it's going to be different for me as it's going to be different for Tim Nogler. He's got a house full of kids. He's got a busy life. So how he finds time, actively time, to rest in Jesus is going to be different than it looks for me. And God gives grace in that. He gives grace to be able for us to be able to do this. Every person in this room has the ability to build a practice of slowing down. Every person. There's not a person in this room that can't not do this. And so, I've told you before, one of my practices every day is I sit in my chair and I start small. I, when I started, I started small. I literally took my phone and put a timer on for 10 minutes. And what I did was I did nothing for 10 minutes. I sat in my chair and I just sat in silence with my heart towards Jesus and basically praying a silent prayer three or four silent prayers in about 10 minutes. God, I need your love. And this is silent. I'm not verbalizing anything. I'm just resting in God. I am starting simple. I'm sitting in the stillness. You see, that is countercultural. I'm not there to ask God for anything. I'm not there with a list. I'm there just meditating on his goodness for 10 minutes. Where and when you do that matters not. It might be that you do it early in the morning. It might be that you do it before you go to bed. But I'm just telling you, and this is my top 10 list, I put this one, and I said no particular order, but I do find this one to be of, of the essence. I need to find that time. I need to disengage and disconnect with the speed of my life. I have to. And so that's number one. Number one is finding silence, finding stillness. Number two, the habit of God's Word. Now, for me, personally, number one typically doesn't overflow into number two. But sometimes when I'm in the stillness and in the silence because of maybe what I've read previously or what is in my heart from previous times, I will have a scripture that might pop into my mind. You see, because there's relationship there. Jesus is calling us into relationship and he relates to me. I might have a scripture that pops into my mind and so I'll take some time and I'll get into God's Word. And so right now what I'm doing and have been for the past, I don't know, maybe month, is I've been in, and I chose, I, I just choose kind of systematically, I chose a book of Colossians. And I'm just at the end of chapter 1, after about a month. And you say, wow, like, what do you do? Well, what I do is I simply, I'll read a verse and I'll just chew on that. I'll just 
think about it. I, I actually have, uh, I actually have uh, another book that I'm reading along with that that's kind of a devotional book that supports my reading in Colossians. And so I have a bit of a plan. But my purpose here is to let God investigate my life. It's less me doing a Bible study. It's more about allowing God's Word to study my life. It's about letting God's Word investigate who I am. And I reflect on that. And there's a routine to it. See, again, it's intentional. Now, does it happen to the same degree, duration of time every day? No. Because I don't want to be in a situation where I feel trapped by my schedule. But most days, I'll find myself developing a habit of being in God's Word. Like I said, there's no silver bullet here, folks. There's no, there's no, magic, there's no magic to this. It's intention. There's the essential of worship. It's the reason we're made. You see, we're made in the image of God. God has put it in us to worship. We're created to worship. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says that he, God, has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. That he's put the desire for something bigger than you in you. He's put the desire for something outside of you. He's put the desire for God himself. And we, until we reconcile that, what we end up doing is we end up worshiping or going after and putting first in our lives other things, created things that were never intended to be the first things. And he has put eternity in our heart. He's put the desire for something bigger. And when I finally got to that place in my life where I recognized that that something bigger was not sports, for me it was sports, and there were other things, but my active participation in sports was the thing that I was worshiping. And because it's a created thing, it kept me, as it were, like a dog on a racetrack following the rabbit that I'd never get. I can't do it. It's frustrating. It keeps me going and going and going. You know, they, they, they interviewed uh, John D. Rockefeller, a wealthy man, early part of the 20th century, and you know, he says, you've made your millions. You've made your millions. And in the time that he was alive, the millions today would equate to billions. And it was like, how much, how much is enough? He goes, the next million. And the next million, and the next million. There's a Netflix special on right now documenting the life of Shania Twain. Country singer, country rock type singer. I'm only, suggest, I'm only saying this because of something she said in the film, or in the, in the documentary. Is like, what keeps you going? Like, at her peak, she had concerts where, like, she was thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people coming. They all know her songs. It's like, what, when is enough is enough? And she goes, well, I'm not as popular as the Rolling Stones yet. So it's like, does it ever end? And you can think of example after example after example of this type of thing. 
but we only reach the end of our enough when we realize that we've been put on this earth to worship the living God. And when we come into relationship with him and understand that, we're free to worship and we can rest in him. And so what might that entail? Well, songs and singing for sure. I find one of my ways to worship God just when I'm by myself is to pray the Psalms. There's Psalms that I pray and and if they're worship, we, pray, we worship in our lifestyle, don't we? See, worship is what we do on a Sunday morning like we were doing this morning, worshiping Jesus. But worship is also in our lifestyle. It's also what we do. And it's also what we do when we don't feel like it. It's also what we do when the chips are down. And the very last thing that our flesh would want us to do is to lift up our hands and worship God and acknowledge Him as God because our situation is such that it would keep us from it. There's lots I could say about this. But the essential of worship. So there's silence and stillness. There's God's Word. There's worship. Journaling. Now, I put, not for everyone, question mark, before you too quickly dismiss, and I know I've said this on several occasions. Some of you don't know that you're journalers because you've never really done it. Or you've done it and you've stopped doing it. Or you just discount yourself and say, that's just not my personality type. But I want to tell you, I was never a journaler until I started journaling. And on my bookshelf now, I, have, I buy the same type of empty lined, coiled book. I've been buying the same ones for the last 20 years. And they're all on my bookshelf. And what I do in there is I write down my thoughts, my experiences, my prayers. I can go back and I can see the things I wrote. And I mean, there's no real system to this. There are some weeks and months that have more entries than others. I don't do this every day, but I do it a lot of days. I write down scriptures. I say, well, Gary, what do you write down? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not writing poetry. Like, I, I don't write poetry. I'm not a creative writer. Like, I could tell you an embarrassing story about my attempt at creative writing when I was in university, but that for another day. But I just keep it simple. Because I are simple. And I just... On a daily basis, I'll just put the date. And if I'm reading the scripture, that I'll just write, that, write out the scripture. Like, like, that's all I do. And I couple this with the number one and the number two on my list. I'm just encouraging you folks. And besides, this is my top ten list. Might not be on yours. But I'm just suggesting, maybe, just maybe, you might be somebody who might want to try it. Or maybe you might want to give it another go. We had a men's weekend once, and I, I talked about journaling with them, and I brought my journals. And, I mean, I, I, just, I, I had a stack of them on the chair, and, and, and uh, you know, it was like, I said, okay, full disclosure, if you want to take a look at my journals, go ahead. And so I passed them all, the guys came and, it's like, there's no secrets here. But I, 
I wanted them to see how accessible this is. Folks, it's accessible. Speaking to yourself. This is, I think, a, such an important one. This is the ultimate self-talk. David, in Psalm 42, 5, says, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. So what's he doing there? He's actually correcting himself. He's sad and he's discouraged. And what does he do? He says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He's speaking to himself. I will, I will put my hope in God. I choose you. My voice right now, my words are defying my circumstances that would say that there's no hope. That my situation right now in life, the fact that maybe I don't have employment or maybe I have family ruination, maybe I have trouble in so many different ways, and everything there is going to, this ties back to the, the worship one, even when I don't feel like it, this is how you get through the I don't feel like it, is you say, you know what? I choose you, Jesus, anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do this. I choose you. I will put my delight in you. What I do here, oftentimes I will go for, well, a lot, <laughs> I go for walks, long ones. I love going for walks with people. I love going for walks with Barb. But there are times when I go for a walk just by myself because what I'm doing in my walk is a lot of this. Guys, sorry, there's no magic bullets. These are practices that reach back into time to the time of David, speaking to yourself. You could say, Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of the 19th century, I'm preaching to myself. In other words, you're speaking God's truth to yourself. Self, I need you to kick me in the rear end because this isn't right, and I want to line up with you. I want to line up with your word, and I choose you. I choose you. I choose life. I'm choosing to be grateful. I'm choosing thankfulness. I'm choosing you right now. And you know what happens when you do that? And you do that, and you do that, and you do that. You know what happens? You actually become, it builds you up. You become more thankful. You become grateful. You become built up in God. It does something. It's like, it's like uh, flossing your teeth, right? Actually, it's kind of the reverse, but I'll say it. Like, if you floss your teeth every day, what does it do? It builds up good, strong gums and everything. But if you don't do it, you don't notice what's happening over a long period of time. But you will. It's like going to the gym, right? The first three or four weeks you go to the gym and you're learning new things. When you go to the gym, how these things work, how that thing works, you don't notice the gains for a while. It's similar to this. Are we making sense? Good, okay. Number six, meeting together. Our gathering together, like we are this morning, and when we gather together in our life groups, there's the vertical emphasis, right? When we gather together, we're not gathering together primarily to make everybody feel good. We're not doing that. Our 
first and foremost reason for gathering together is we gather with a vertical emphasis to worship God. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. We gather together towards God. That's why we're here. There's also a corporate benefit to us gathering together with a vertical emphasis. There's the corporate benefit that we encourage one another. I was encouraged this morning with Jackie when she came to share. I was encouraged. I'm sorry. I forget your name, the gentleman that shared. Jordan, that's it. Jordan, I was encouraged by you because of his vulnerability, his transparency, and his honesty about his situation. That encourages me because there's a man who shared about his challenges, but God, right? So there's a corporate benefit to it. We gather because we want to hear the preached word because the preached word is so valuable to us. We gather to pray for others. And so on Sunday nights, every second week, we gather together to pray. And we pray for various things. And so there's the connecting and there's relationships. There's a lot of dynamics happening when we gather together. Hebrews says, don't neglect the gathering together of yourselves. Don't neglect it. It's easy to neglect it, isn't it? It's easy in this day and age of deconstruction where, you know, you've probably heard the term deconstruction, you know, the people deconstructing their faith. I'm convinced that most people who, who show signs of deconstruction are not actively deconstructing anything. They're not actively deconstructing. They're not philosophically sitting down trying to deconstruct their belief system. A lot of that is done because they just become disconnected. And deconstruction is one of the byproducts of unintentional formation. Having an outward focus, right? Serving and reaching others, seeing where God is working and partnering with Him. You see, Jesus goes ahead of us by His Holy Spirit and is actively doing things in the world. And it's not about, you know, it's not we don't we don't whip anything up, we don't cook anything up. We just if if we're if we're in tune with what God is doing in our life. In our day-to-day -day re responsibilities and what we do in our workplaces, in our schools, with our families, we are going to be seeing what he's doing, and he gives us opportunities with little whispers. That's why it's important to have our antenna up. It's, he gives us little whispers to join in with him. He said, you know what? Penny, I want you to, I want you to do this for that person. I want you to do that. Santiago, I want you to, I, you know, I want you to go over there and I want you to encourage that person. Jackie, I want you to go and that person has just said they're sick and they're really desperate. I want you to go. I want you to pray for them, like right now. <laughs> but here's the thing. In my workplace, I'm not, I'm not talking about in a church meeting. I could say a lot about this talking about in my workplace, there have been occasions, several, where in my workplace, a staff member will, or a parent would have shared with me a challenge they're going through, and then 
I'm seeing where God is working. I feel in my heart, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I would like for you to pray for that person. And of course, I would say, surely you mean when I get home. And then just get that little nudge. No, like right now. Yes. Every time I've asked somebody, could I pray for you? They never say no. They never say no. And I just, I don't pray big religious prayer. I just pray God's blessing on their life in that situation. It's quite easy. Scripture says that when we speak out, when, when God's word goes out, it achieves the purpose for which it's intended. So if you're obedient in it, and you know what? If we fail, like we've heard the word failure this morning, if you fail, you get another chance. It's like when a little, little toddler is trying to walk and he falls flat on his butt because he, you know, he's failed in the walking attempt. We say as a parent, well, that's it, you're done. No, what do we do? We actually pick the toddler up and we give him another go. Building friendships. Top 10. This is my top 10. It's mine. Building friendships. The one-to-one. We live in the loneliest culture in history. There's a top 10 list about that. But it's true. With all the social connectivity we have through social media and so on, people are more lonely than they've ever been. We must be intentional in our friendships. It doesn't just happen. It's just not going to happen. It's like you have to schedule it in. And don't be afraid to ask somebody, hey, can I, can I connect with you? Let's just go for a walk, go for a coffee, go for a beer, whatever. Can we just do that? To be intentional. And in our one-to-one relationships, we always keep short accounts. So if I blow it with you, then I need to be able to say that to you, and vice versa. So it's mutually encouraging. I was walking recently with somebody, and I, just, and I said, you know what, I really appreciate just walking with you today because I don't want you to think this is one way. You encouraged me today in the things that you were telling me. And that person's response was, really? Oh, that's, well, yeah. Building friendships. What we put in, here it comes. What are you consuming? I want to be strong in God. What are you consuming? You know, is, are your media consumption habits needing review? Are they needing prioritizing? What are you reading? Like, I'm shocked in today's day and age, people don't read. Sometimes my grandkids have a hard time believing that I can read. Barbara always kind of jokes around, like, Papa can read you a book, and, and then they'll look at Grandma, they'll look at Barb, and pa- Grandma will say, don't worry, Papa can read. <laughs> what are you reading? What are you watching? What, I'm not, again, rewind right to the beginning. Your default, if you're thinking about it, if your default's towards legalism, is with the do's and don'ts, uh-uh. Your other side, relativism, is going to be, I can do what I want. Think about it. If you're trying to build relationship with Jesus, 
what will be fruitful and allow you to flourish. If you need recommendations, please send me a message. Talk to me. Talk to somebody else. Lots of great things to read, to consume. And lastly, our physical bodies. See, the source of, like, when you go through this whole top ten list, all of it leads to significant, can lead to significant improvements in our mental health, our stress, and our anxiety. Every day, every day, I say this every day, I pray the prayer in my silent time, this mental prayer, Lord, would you give me peace in my anxiety? There's things I'm anxious about, things that I am despairing about. I'm saying, God, give me your hope. But all of it leads to an improvement in our flourishing spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. Our physical health. Like, we're all different stages. We're all different age levels. We're all different, you know, families, singles, and marrieds, and so on. Like, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you exercising? Again, no, no guilt here. Are there adjustments to be made? You start small. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. There's my top ten list. Now, that's the list. Everything we do is in the context of relationship and grace, but it has to be stated, folks, we're in a battle. Like, this is not a neutral thing. We're in a battle. And as you heard from Ginny a couple weeks ago, we're in a time today of pressure and heat, and we have to be a people who are prepared and vigilant. She related to us about a lot of shaking that's going on in the world and in the church. Everything that is going to be shaken will be shaken. But we have no need to fear because we're a marked people by His Holy Spirit who are being refined in the fire, the fire that's happening all around us, formed in the image of Christ through some of the things I talked about this morning. And we're encouraged, and Ginny talked about it, we're encouraged to drink again from the well of salvation that's found in Jesus. And as we drink, Jesus fills us and changes our desires, and together we encourage and strengthen one another. So Ginny's, one of Ginny's takeaways was, you remember, was this is a time and a season to drink. Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. Like, I'm the one who can satiate your thirst. And so on Tuesday night, we were here uh, with the men, and a week and a half ago, just to rewind, a week and a half ago, we were in one of our morning prayer meetings, so uh, I think it was on a Monday morning, and Kenyanga and I were praying for the church, and Kenyanga prayed this, like, I know it wasn't a throwaway prayer from Kenyanga, but it was kind of like, he just prayed this prayer with respect to Gideon, and he's a figure in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, he was one of the judges that God raised up to help deliver Israel, and Gideon had to choose his fighting men. And so he just 
prayed along these lines that as Gideon chose his fighting men, and the way he did it was he had thousands of warriors, he narrowed them down to just a small number, and the ones, he, the ones that actually he chose to fight with, the ones that God put it on his heart to take with him into battle, were men who drank a certain way from a stream. And so this is what it says. I'm going somewhere with this. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300, I will rescue you and give you victory. 300 from thousands. 300 to go up against an, an enemy that was innumerable. But he says, I want you to take these ones. And when Kenyanga was praying this prayer about this, I just felt like God spoke to me about Ginny's word. And it's this, is that God is calling us, yes, to drink, but in the drinking to be vigilant. You say, like, what does it mean to like, drink like dogs? Well, a dog, like a dog doesn't cup, their, cup the water with their hands, right? A dog obviously drinks with a tongue, but I, in preparing for this message, I watched a 40-second video in slow motion, a thousand frames per second, of a, of a dog, close-up of the dog drinking from a bowl of water, and did you know that when the dog's tongue goes into the water, that it reverses itself, and this happens in super high speed, but this is how a dog drinks, its tongue goes in reverse and cups water and that's how the water gets into its mouth. And Gideon's men were chosen on their basis of drinking like that with their hands, but crouching down, not getting down, not being, like, basically allowing themselves to be completely vulnerable in terms of the military sense. They were aware, and they were drinking, and they were losing water. Did you ever watch a dog drink? they lose a lot of water. But a lot of water goes in, and they do it a lot. Another point. Guys, we're called to drink often. It might be messy. You heard that term a couple weeks ago. But he's calling us to drink because in that way we can be vigilant of everything that's going on around us. And folks, there's enough pain in this room. There's enough suffering in this room right now. There's enough hardship going on in this room. We heard our songs this morning were all about that, and we resonate so much with that because it's true. Jesus said, not if you experience hardship, but when you do. And he's calling us to be like in Jeremiah 17, like trees whose leaves flourish even in the season of heat because why? Their roots go down deep. And folks, he's calling us to establish our roots deeply in him through little old things like my top 10 list. He's calling us to be vigilant. He's calling us to be flourishing in him in the difficulties. Why don't we stand together? I'll ask the worship team to come. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, 
It says, sink your roots in him and build on him. Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. Be strengthened, sink your roots in him. Guys, God is calling us to set our roots deeply in him. Even in the difficult space. Tim Keller says that growth really only truly happens in difficult circumstances. That's when we notice it. We notice growth in the difficulties. Because he calls us to cling onto him and to trust him. So Lord Jesus, this morning, perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I just feel like God is calling me to flourish. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you cause us to be ones to recognize that you've called us, you've called us to worship you, you who are bigger than us. You've put the desire in us for you. So Lord Jesus, this morning we turn to you and we say we want to follow you with everything we have. We want to put into our lives practices that will cause us to flourish. We want to drink wisely, often, messy. We want that. Holy Spirit, come and fill us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Mark and team. I'll leave it to you.